Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold. Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring. On C103. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. This week's joint committee hearing on agriculture, food and the marine was updated on issues related to the forestry industry, in particular the drop in the number of tree felling licences in recent weeks. National Dairy Council says new research shows that people, when asked, can relate to and have opinions on Irish dairy and dairy farming. On the back of the recent Farm Safety Week, we remind listeners about the type of licence needed to be legally permitted to tow a trailer on a public road. A Tiagasc advisory this week looks at autumn grazing and the importance of building grass. We hear about the latest Mokra activities in the region. And John O'Connor has the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. Our government must back Food Vision 2030 with proper investment. That statement came from the IFA president, Mr Tim Cullinan. He said while the publication of the Food Vision 2030 strategy was welcome, it must be backed by government investment. Until the government sets out its plans to fund it, this strategy will ring hollow. Mr Cullinan said the focus of this strategy for 2030 was very much on the three pillars of sustainability, namely economic, environmental and social. Incomes, he said, are currently unsustainable in the dry stock and tillage sectors. The outcome to the European element of the cap reform proposals will make this worse rather than better, he said. What farmers want to see is what funding the government intends to make available to back up this Food Vision 2030 strategy. Mr Cunnan said the government now needs to come forward with a plan to support these sectors with maximum co-financing of the cap and delivery on its commitment to invest €1.5 billion of the carbon tax fund into what he called a proper agri-environmental scheme. Mr Cunnan said it's clear the world will need more food in coming years. Ireland, he guaranteed, was well-placed to play a part in meeting this increased demand sustainably. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. The Minister for Agriculture is insisting the government's new food strategy plan is environmentally friendly. The 10-year strategy aims to see Ireland become a world leader in sustainable food systems. Charlie McConnell says it will reduce the amount of chemical fertilisers used in soil and reduce our carbon footprint. Minister McConnell is rejecting the claims that the plan is industry-led and ignores climate change. All of the stakeholders who were involved 
Um, we're very much aware of, of the need to ensure that in terms of how we go forward, that we reduce the carbon footprint of the food that we produce, um, and also that we do so in a way that ensures that, our, that, that it's done in harmony with nature and our environment is very much protected. For example, the EPA, we're very much part of this uh, strategy and uh, uh, stakeholder group as well, uh, and are part uh, of signing up to the final document. And are- on the back of the recent Farm Safety Week, Farm Talk was contacted about the type of licence needed to tow a trailer on the public road. Most listeners will be aware that a special category of driving licence is needed before you are legally permitted to do so. John O'Connor is with me to discuss the issue. And John, can you remind listeners about the licensing situation as set out by the National Driver Licence Service? For example, can I tow a trailer on a car licence? If you have a Category B driving licence, that's for a car or a jeep, you can tow a small trailer. If you want to tow a larger trailer, you must have a Category BE licence. And what trailers can I tow on Category B and BE driving licences? You can tow a trailer where the MAM maximum authorised mass is no greater than 750 kgs and or the MAM of the trailer exceeds 750 kg, but the vehicle and trailer MAM combined would not exceed 3,500 kg. And would a Category B licence allow you to tow a horse box or a livestock trailer transporting animals? As a general rule, a Category B licence does not allow you to tow a horse box or livestock trailer transporting animals. The MAM, the maximum authorised mass, is a very important consideration when deciding whether your licence or vehicle is towing legally. So can you outline, John, what the NDLS guidelines are? The MAM or DGVW design gross vehicle weight, that is the weight of the vehicle, passengers, fuel and any load carried on the roof rack. The unladen weight of the trailer is that specified by the trailer manufacturer. To find out the load the vehicle can carry, subtract the unladen weight from the MAM, maximum authorised mass. And by way of an initial check, presumably the manufacturer's handbook or manual, if you still have that in your possession, will state the towing capacity for licensing purposes. Towing capacity could be shown on the manufacturer's plate or under the bonnet or inside the passenger door. However, it may be necessary to contact the manufacturer to get the correct towing capacity for your specific vehicle, which in turn will determine the type of licence needed. So why is it important to tow the correct trailer with your vehicle? If you are towing a trailer which is greater than the permitted maximum authorised mass MAM, you are breaking the law and this has serious implications for your own safety and that of other road users. You are legally responsible for having the correct licence and not exceeding the towing capacity of your vehicle. And apart from the licence, what else affects your right to tow a trailer? Even if your driving licence entitles you to tow a trailer, the type of trailer will also depend on your vehicle specifications. The owner's manual generally sets out a towing capacity or towing weight for the vehicle. Important to note, some smaller vehicles might not be allowed to tow any trailer, while larger vehicles have restrictions set by the manufacturer. In all such cases, the type of trailer you can tow will be the lesser of that allowed by your licence or the towing capacity of your vehicle. A lot of care then needs to be taken before establishing whether you hold the correct licence for the type of vehicle you own 
and the weight of the trailer that you want to tow. Very useful if you still possess the manufacturer's handbook for your vehicle. The manufacturer's handbook, if you still have it for reference, is very useful for basic essential data. And you mentioned the BE licence earlier. According to the NDLS, the National Driving Licence Service, the following is needed to get a BE licence. You must hold a current full Category B driving licence. You must pass a driver theory test in Category B if you have not done so already. You must apply online or in person as an LDS centre for a Category BE learner permit. Fourthly, after passing the BE driving test, you can then apply to add Category BE to your full driving licence. So where can you get more information on our topic, the correct licence for towing trailers on a public road? More information can be found on the following sources, the NDLS and RIC websites. There is a provision on the NDLS website which states, quote, Content is for reference only and is not a statement of law or a legal interpretation of the provisions relating to driver licences. That is a matter for the courts. Towing a trailer on the public road with your vehicle is so important for transporting livestock or supplies. It's your responsibility then to ensure that you're using the correct licence for the vehicle and trailer involved. That's correct, Barry. And it's essential for listeners to ensure they hold the relevant correct licence to tow a trailer on a public road safely and legally. Thanks, John. The National Broadband Plan has made effectively no progress at all, according to Irish Rural Link. It's after it was revealed recently just 4,000 homes had been connected under the plan, which at that time was well short of the target of 115,000 for 2021. The Chief Executive of Irish Rural Link, Seamus Boland, says a slowdown was expected because of the COVID pandemic, but not at this scale. 4,000 out of 115 is, you know, that's effectively no progress at all. And really, rural Ireland, indeed all of Ireland, is so dependent on, on broadband at this stage that this kind of progress means you'd have to question the whole project because is going to be, is there anything going to be delivered? As we mentioned, the rollout of the national broadband has been impacted by the pandemic. The chair of NBI, David McCourt, says the company will make up for lost time. We will still build this project ahead of schedule and under budget, despite COVID. COVID has affected supply chains around the world and affected everyone's ability to deploy capital and human resources around the world, and we're no different. Details of forthcoming farm plastics recycling bring centre dates for the Cork area. Skibbereen Mart, Tuesday and Wednesday, 10th and 11th of August, Bantry Skip Hire, Dunbitterin East, Friday and Saturday, 13th and 14th of August. Castletown Bear, Donegan's Plant Hire, Tuesday, 17th of August. Skull, Derry Connell, Landfill, Wednesday, 18th of August. Clonakilty Lissavered Co-op, Friday and Saturday, 20th and 21st of August. Dunmanway, Murray Brothers, Ardrahan Quarry, Monday and Tuesday, 23rd and 24th of August. McCroom Mart, Thursday and Friday, 26th and 27th of August. Clodov GAA, Monday 30th of August. When visiting Bring Centres, farmers are kindly requested to adhere to social distancing requirements in operation at all of the Bring Centres. Opening times are generally 9am to 5pm, unless otherwise stated. Further information if required from 1890-300-444 or the website www.farmplastics.ie 
John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Minister Hayden puts firm focus on animal welfare at the second meeting of the Pig Sector Roundtable. Minister of State of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Martin Hayden TD, has chaired the second meeting of the Pig Sector Roundtable, which focused on animal welfare in the pig sector. Minister Hayden referred to his role in new market development and said for the pig sector, which has had great success in international markets, it's particularly important to maintain and grow our reputation in relation to animal welfare standards. The Minister noted that all parties wanted a competitive and sustainable pig industry, which would survive and thrive into the future. To ensure this happens, he said, we need to future-proof the industry, and addressing One Health, One Welfare issues will be key in that regard. Members of the Pig Sector Roundtable had a robust and constructive discussion about various aspects of pig welfare, with the Minister stressing the need for all parties to continue to work together for the long-term greater good of the sector. Minister Hayden said the Pig Sector Roundtable had been tasked with addressing some challenging topics which face the sector in the immediate and longer term. However, he firmly believed that by working together, the Irish Pig Sector could plot out a route to a sustainable and competitive future. The Pig Sector has shown exceptional value growth, Notwithstanding the problems caused by COVID-19 in the first half of 2020, the sector showed itself to be remarkably resilient with export values of €893 million in 2020, an increase of 270% in value over the past decade. The pig sector industry, Minister Hayden said, is the third largest agri-food sector after dairy and beef in Ireland. Roundtable members at the recent meeting included pig farmers, farm and processing representative bodies, Chagask, Bordbia and Department of Agriculture Food and the Marine officials. The roundtable also heard an update on the market outlook from Bordbia. The next meeting of the Pig Sector Roundtable, with a focus on animal health, is scheduled for October of this year. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. The Joint Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine met on Wednesday, August 4th to resume the debate on issues related to the forestry industry and the serious concerns, particularly around licensing, which have been well documented here on Farm Talk previously. Members of the committee were anxious to discuss the drop in the number of tree-felling licences issued in recent weeks, having been told it was due to the introduction of a new regulation where projects which fall under the Habitats Directive now require an additional 30 days of public consultation. So, Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, was invited to address the committee on the current situation. I know, Cahir, look, while there are many issues affecting forestry, licensing is the most immediate and impactful challenge this sector faces. I am more than aware of its importance and it continues to be my top priority. My officials, as well as working, as well as working groups under Project Woodland, are completely focused on turning this situation around. And we all want to reach a stage where licences are issued in a timely fashion. 
And we've been making inroads into this problem, as many, many members will have seen from the dashboard figures which are published recently, published um, weekly. It is of note that the number of licenses issued in June at 415 were the highest since July 2019, and that the number of private felling licenses issued in June was the highest in the last five years at 220. This is progress indeed, and it is a trend I would wish to see continuing. As regards the total number of licenses issued in the year, this figure was at 1,900 at 20, on the 23rd of July, which is around 42% of our annual target of 4,500 licenses. While one may expect that this should have been higher, it has always been our intention to intensify output in the latter half of the year on the basis of system improvements and streamlining of procedures. These improvements have already had an effect, as can be seen in the number of licenses issued in June. The system improvements introduced in the preparation of the various appropriate assessment documents have allowed our ecologists to optimise their time and to concentrate on the ecology aspect of each application. Currently, these improvements are applied to tree felling licence application and roads licence applications only, and we are turning our, will be turning our attention shortly to applying the system to afforestation files. This should increase output on these files. Speaking of systems improvements, it is the case that better quality applications have a smoother progression through the licensing process. In order to make the system more efficient and to give, give a clear picture of why certain files are held up, we recently provided registered foresters and forestry companies with a list of felling files which require further information before they can be progressed by ecology. We have found that around half of the applications for private felling files screened in for appropriate assessment require further information. Working together with the registered foresters and in the spirit of cooperation, I believe we can improve this situation to the benefit of forest owners. Of course, members will have noticed a downturn in licence output for July. This is directly linked to the introduction of a second 30-day public consultation process for applications subject to appropriate assessment. These requirements arise from the European Union Birds and Habitats uh, Amendment Regulations 2021, um, which were recently introduced by the Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage. This means that any application that is screened in for appropriate assessment and which has had a nature impact statement or an appropriate assessment report must be advertised with all relevant documentation on the Forestry Licence Viewer for 30 days for public consultation. This is part of an extensive public consultation process which affords all interested parties an opportunity to have their say in relation to projects with the potential to impact European sites. There is no denying that this does add extra time to the processing of these applications. We must now advertise all such cases and we are currently working our way through them. 536 cases went to public consultation up to the 23rd of July at an average of 178 per week. The first of these will exit this process on the 6th of August. We have not, to date, received any submissions on cases advertised, but if we do, they will be taken into account before the file progression to decision. The reality is that this has indeed affected recent output, as certain files ready for decision were interrupted. We are committed to making up this ground, and I expect that by mid-August you will see an increase in the number of licences issued and a return to previous levels. This new requirement means that we will have to redouble our efforts to reach our target of 4,500 licences this year, but I remain hopeful that we will do this. 
The Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett. Cork South West Independent TD Michael Collins was among the committee members to respond to the Minister, voicing concerns about the effect that the slow progress in relation to licensing is having on the forestry sector. My serious worries, of course, is over 500 jobs in West Cork and Line here uh, and, and, and have continued to be uh, on the edge. Uh, many of them worried about losing their, their, their jobs and looking at another country to bring in the timber from, which is kind of an astonishing situation we find ourselves in. And Minister, I, I just have a few questions, um, and I know other members want to come in, so I'm not going to hold the air with a search. But Minister, why should any member of this committee, or indeed any member of the uh, of the forestry and timber sector, a native industry employing 12,000 people in rural Ireland, believe you when you say that the department is going to reach its targets of 4,500 licences for this year? Only 1,900 forestry licences have been issued up to the 23rd of July. In the parliamentary uh, response I received last week, I was informed by the department uh, that this is, was up to 25% on the same time last year, which is in, a, is in a regular line we have heard from the department through 2021. But it is a ridiculous defence when you consider the impl- implosion in licence output in 2020. Minister, what miracle is going to occur in the final few months of this year to enable the department to turn out 2,600 licences and reach the 4,500 target? And Minister, also, can I please ask that you uh, and Minister McConnell Logan, your officials, please refrain from comparing output from this year to that of 2020 to paint a rosy picture of improvements made on the forestry licensing output? parliamentary question again I tabled in early July outlined that while yes felling licenses issued in 2021 are up 28% compared to 2020 there are down 191% in compared to 2019 uh, the last really comparable genuine comparable year on a similar note afforestation licenses are up 8% compared to 2020 but down 28% compared to 2019 and I think it's unfair to be using this disingenuous defence to cover up the department's ineptitude on this licensing issue. And it has to stop. You have to be honest and compare like per like. It's down 191%. And that's the only comparison that we really can make by 2019. The Cork South West Independent TD Michael Collins and his contribution to the Joint Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine on Wednesday, August 4th, where they resumed the debate on issues related to the forestry industry. Farm Talk on C103. Minister of State Pippa Hackett launches 1.2 million euro scheme to improve environmental quality of agricultural lands surrounding raised bogs. Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett has launched the new farm PATEIP project. The project is developing a locally led, innovative, results based farm scheme for farmers who manage lands that surround some of Ireland's finest remaining raised bogs. The launch took place in Clara County Offaly on Thursday, 29th of July, and is the latest in a series of EIP projects funded by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. 
under Ireland's RDP Rural Development Programme for the years 2014 to 2020 inclusive. In total, the Department has committed €64 million to these EIP projects over the lifetime of the Rural Development Programme RDP. Speaking of the launch, Minister Hackett said it's encouraging to see work beginning on these great inland bogs. Raised bogs represent one of the most valuable natural ecosystems in Ireland and the appropriate management of adjacent agricultural lands that surround them can play an important role in maintaining and enhancing their long-term conservation value. Commenting on how the work will be undertaken, the Minister said the project would work with local farmers to design and trial a programme especially adapted to the local landscape. It will reward farmers for improved management of habitats on peat soils, along with other important landscape features such as eskers, field boundaries and watercourses. All of that, she believed, would combine to deliver enhanced environmental outcomes. The programme will be results-based in that farmers will get paid based on the scores they achieve, with higher scores indicating, of course, higher environmental quality and securing higher payments. Minister Haggett hoped this programme would form a basis for future agri-environmental schemes in these areas. As such, he noted it presents an opportunity for farmers to be involved in developing policy which could provide long-term environmental and economic benefits for their communities well into the future. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. The 2020 Tagusk FBD Student of the Year Awards were presented recently with the overall and dairy category winner was Deirdre McMahon from County Galway. She completed the Tagus Distance Education Green Cert programme at Palace Kenry College. There was Cork success in the dry stock category for Shane O'Brien, who completed the Tagus Distance Education Green Cert programme in Middleton. Shane successfully transitioned from a full-time career as an airline pilot to a major involvement in the family farm through a partnership arrangement. Let's hear a little from Shane about their operation. Shane O'Brien, where I'm farming here alongside my parents just outside uh, Middleton, East Cork. We finish uh, 60 cattle each year. We buy them in um, in the springtime as yearlings. Uh, half of them will be finished out the shed the following year on predominantly our own barley with a little bit of brought, bought in meal as efficiently as we can. Uh, the rest of them are finished mid-summer off grass, mid-June. We buy in uh, around 400-ish hoggets each year, which we run on the tillage ground. So as soon as the harvest is done, we get the straw baled. We don't even clear the fields. We just row it up and we plant around it and get, get it drawn away when we can, get the catch crop going, get the sheep on the, on the ground over the winter time, which is good for the soil and the soil health. And obviously, uh, we're getting an extra enterprise off of the same piece of ground that would normally only have one return in the year. On the grassland side of things, looking at the sustainability in the environment, we uh, have switched in the last couple of years to the low emission uh, slurry spreading. Uh, we've also switched in the last year or two to uh, protected urea on the grassland. I found the Chagas course excellent, um, brought home a lot of good ideas which I've been able to implement here on the farm. Through everything from the course, we've actually, we've actually managed to increase our output while maintaining or reducing our inputs. Shane O'Brien of Middleton. There were two other Cork finalists in the 2020 Tagusk FBD Student of the Year Awards. Connolly Hans Choice was the Tagus Level 6 Advanced Dairy Herd Management Programme at Clonakilty College. Dennis O'Donoghue, who attended the McCroom office for the Tagus Green Cert part-time programme. You can find out more about the 2020 Tagusk FBD Student of the Year Awards on the Tagusk website.
Kildalton College in County Kilkenny has one more open day on August 12th. Details are available at kildalton.college at tagusk.ie. Patrick McCormack, the Business and Technology Dairy Advisor at Tagusk Moor Park for Moy, joins us today. And our topic is autumn grazing. Yeah, so I suppose, Barry, it has been a, a challenging enough summer, really, and year in terms of the grass quality and also supply. Um, but the focus now really is changing from our summer grazing targets to our autumn targets. So I suppose many people see the, the month of August as, as being the start of the grazing year, really, with the, with the planning and building up of grass while growth rates are still quite strong. So the plans put in place now will have an impact on grass rate availability until the beginning of the second rotation next year, really. When it comes to autumn grazing, we look at it in two, two phases, really. So the first phase in August and September is the building phase. So I suppose this is where we build grass now to increase the number of days of grass and to, to drive the animal performance from the grass. But then you have the second phase, which is in the months of October and November. And this really, this is the closing phase. So this really is where the focus is on extending grazing in autumn and setting the farm up in the final rotation provide adequate grass at spring turners. But I suppose at the moment we are looking really at building the grass supply on our farms. Maybe you can explain just why does the farmer go about building grass at this time? You build grass really to a high in late September, early October to help extend the, the grazing season and to achieve those extra grazing days in autumn. So the benefit this will have to the farmer really is it'll have a positive impact on the farm process. This is a result of reduced feed costs, maybe reduced labour requirements and your reduced housing and slurry storage requirements. But as well as that, you're improving your animal performance and your, your profitability um, while also reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So maybe to put a value on that, each extra day at grass for a dairy cow, say, is worth €1.80 per cow per day. So, for example, if you don't build up your farm cover high enough when you come into October and maybe growth rates start to decline and demand is still relatively high, you might drop off your farm cover very quickly. And this potentially could drop it too low coming into the winter and you will end up having to put in high levels of supplementation. And are there certain steps that you can take to build grass now at this time? So, firstly, I suppose every farm is different when we're looking at it, so... The level of grass to build will depend really on a few different factors, so such as soil type, but also mainly stocking rate. So firstly, really, you must establish what your stocking rate will be, and, and this will help you to identify what targets you need to hit over the next few months. So for example, just over the next few weeks, those at a stocking rate of 3.5 cows per hectare will have to start building grass now, really. Those at a stocking rate then of 3 cows per hectare, We'll have to start building in the next week and those at a stocking rate of two and a half cows per hectare will start building grass maybe in the, in the third week of August. So I suppose then the next step maybe is that farmers should take over the next few weeks would be that you start looking at extending your grazing rotation. So as I said earlier, the general rule of thumb really is that we want to build our peak farm cover by late September, early October. So to do that, we need to really start lengthening our grazing rotation from now, um, the beginning of August. So from now, we're looking at extending it by around two to two and a half days per week, or maybe if looking at a month basis, eight to ten days per month. So, for example, if at the end of July there was a few farms there on a 22 to 23-day rotation, so by the end of August then you should have built that up really to a, a kind of a rotation length of 30, 31, maybe 32 days. And then in that case, by the time you get to the start of your final rotation in October, you'll be somewhere on a, a 40 to 45-day 40 rotation that will bring you to the, to the middle of November then. 
maybe then the next step you should take is to use the to use the autumn grazing targets. Maybe these can be found on the Chagas website or, or on the Grass 10 newsletter. But also, I suppose, it'd be advised to complete a grass budget for the autumn to, to try and optimise uh, your autumn grazing management. Really, in terms of grazing targets, as, as I mentioned earlier, I suppose we've gone through the targets for rotation length, but also we have targets for average farm cover. Again, this depends on your, our stocking rate, but... If we might just look at our targets for peak farm cover in that, that late September to early October period, which helps us to extend the grazing season. So, for example, like if we're, if we're looking at a stocking rate maybe of two and a half cows per hectare or, or, or one cow to the acre, you're looking at building to no more than a thousand kilos of, of dry matter per hectare of an average farm cover, um, which would be around 400 kilos per cow. Other farms maybe stocked at three cows per hectare would have a target of 11.50 kilos of dry matter per hectare of an average farm cover, or this would be around 380 to 400 per cow. So really what I'm saying, like lower stocked farms there won't need as, as high a peak farm cover as those that are highly stocked because they have less of a demand. Are there any reasons, Padraig, why a farm might not be in a position to build grass now? Yeah, so I suppose some of the reasons really some farms mightn't be building grass or building a high enough cover Come that that early October period might be might be due to uh, to building covers maybe too late. They're not starting now. Maybe maybe they're cutting second cuts or, or surpluses too late into the year, and they might not be getting the growth rates that they expected, or, or else they're just not supplementing in time. Putting a plan in place now helps to to gradually build your grass and to meet your targets. One of the ways, I suppose, you might have control to build your grass and meet those targets would be to maybe reduce your demand and and increase your supply if, if it was possible. Say if you aren't hitting your targets, you could take action by maybe introducing supplements or maybe reducing your stocking rate. So that could mean removing younger stock or other stock or, or cold cows, um, which will, will help to reduce your demand. So really, there, there are a lot of different steps to take to achieve your grazing targets. Padraig McCormack, Business and Technology Dairy Advisor at Tagus Moor Park for Moy. And this month's edition of the Tagus Signpost Programme newsletter provides a guide to building grass for autumn grazing. Tagus Moor Park Open Day will take place on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, September 14th, 15th and 16th for the Irish dairy industry. The Open Day will be repeated over the three days to ensure compliance with government guidelines on COVID-19. And the theme is Delivering Sustainability. Attendees will be able to visit the Chagas Moor Park site on one of the three days while complying with the guidelines. You will need to register online and attend at a predetermined time. Registration will open on the 6th of September at chagas.ie forward slash moorpark. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 21. Farm Talk on C103. The Irish farm organisations are still resisting the imposition of major changes by the European Union to improve controls on the use of antiparasitic animal medicines. It has been perceived at EU level that lack of efficient controls on the use of preventative treatments is leading to AMR, antimicrobial resistance. From early next year, the European Union wants the veterinary profession to play a bigger role in the administration of antimintics. Farmers have bitterly rejected the European measures, which is contended would place the veterinary profession in a monopoly situation as suppliers of animal health remedies. The IFA say a solution is needed to resolve the prescribing issues relating to anthemintics. Farmers resent the implication that only a veterinary surgeon is acceptable to prescribe animal health products. The new European Union prescription regulations due in 2022, are part of an overall policy of targeting overuse of medicines. That includes plans to introduce selective dry cow therapy, which limits treatment to specific animals in the herd, eliminating blanket dosing of all cows in the herd. Dairy farmers have been turning increasingly to milk recording with a view to eliminating non-productive or vulnerable animals. In recent days, there have been reports of a compromise on the role of vets in the supply of anthelmintics, but there has been no confirmation from Brussels that their planned AMR prevention measures will be relaxed. The IFA say a practical solution is needed. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. New research by the National Dairy Council aims to get people thinking again about how Irish dairy is produced, about the 18,000 Irish family farms the 1.5 million cows and about 60% of the country, that is, grassland. The outcome shows that when people are asked, they do relate to what dairy is all about and have opinions on dairy and dairy farming. But the NDC wants people to know more about what the sector is doing, particularly in the area of sustainability and contributing to Ireland's climate action goals. 
Eamon Sheehan is a dairy farmer and spokesperson for the National Dairy Council and he told me about how they're endeavouring to get their message out. The NDC is the National Dairy Council and it's an amalgamation there um, between the co-ops to um, to work in the media side of um, our dairy-based uh, products. But the feedback generally about the sector is very positive. It is, you know, and I suppose the dairy sector does have, um, you know, a large a large employment ratio as well. You know, there's over 60,000 people employed on, on the back of it. And I suppose one of the key areas as well that's most important or most beneficial to, uh, to society is that, you know, 85 cent of every one euro that's earned on farm is spent locally. You know, so there's not too many industries can uh, claim that. We're generally um, some way related or involved in an agricultural background. And I suppose we're fortunate on that base that the majority of people aren't too far removed from the land. But it's still an area that we need to that we need to improve on. And we have a very good news story and we need to be better at um, getting it across to the general public. One of the areas there is sustainability and contributing to Ireland's climate action goals. Yeah, you know, and like sustainability is huge and it's, it's utmost of it's of utmost importance for, for the majority of farmers out there, you know. And like, you know, we have to be environmentally sustainable. We have to be economically uh, sustainable socially and I suppose an area that's often overlooked we have to be physically sustainable you know there's there's a large workload on, on our dairy farms as it is and a lot of the rules and regulations that come along put a lot more stress on the on the system. We're hearing a lot about the climate action goals it's making the work uh, even harder on the farm. Yeah I just find from our own perspective that um, along with the day-to-day running of the farm our paper side of it and uh, our office work just grows more and more on a yearly basis you know so uh, as much as you know, I enjoy being out on the farm. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my days are dedicated to uh, to the office work now as well. Spreading the message, I suppose, that Europe is is giving us is is equally difficult because people are hearing in terms of development plans and that going forward, but maybe they don't really understand at the cutting edge of what you're doing, what it's all about. Like I suppose, agriculture is the only industry that is capable of sequestering carbon on farm. You know, our hedgerows, our trees, our grassland all sequester carbon so like that's an area that we need to be acknowledged for first we we all have to take our part uh, going forward in improving things on farm but we need to be acknowledged for for what we do already every other industry is able to offset their their carbon footprint by planting trees or you know um, using solar energy um you know our hedgerows take up 10 to 20 percent of the majority of our farms and um, those are areas that are deducted off our single farm payment uh, maps. So I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see um, an acknowledgement for that area first. But the message from the National Dairy Council is that the industry is strong and that people are getting the right message out there. They are, and like you know, we've been very good at uh, taking on anything that's kind of science based. And you know, the majority of farmers out there that are using uh, low emissions, slurry uh, spreading technology as well, and. Um, the likes of protected urea, the usage of that, of that has increased as well, and all these areas benefit um, benefit agriculture and the environment. Um, you know, very very good in in, um, in relation to emission uh, release. Eamon Sheehan, dairy farmer and spokesperson for the National Dairy Council. For our weekly update on Makra events in Cork and beyond, here's Ashling Walsh. This week saw Makra members attend the European Rural Youth Rally.
Members from the Rural Youth National Committee join people from all over Europe to discuss rural youth topics and to get to know different cultures. I myself was involved in this initiative and attended all week. We presented our culture and our countries and got to know other cultures also. We discussed topics such as the labour market, differences between countries and also had daily assignments to complete. I was glad to join the Mochran Affirma team this year for the first virtual rally. Hopefully it'll be in person next year. Next week also sees Mochran Affirma members join up with Scavenger Hunt Ireland on the 7th and 8th of August. This can be a family or individual task whereby you're given a set of clues to find and you can send them on to them. It'll be great fun for everyone involved, so make sure to sign up. You can find the registration link on the National Macron Affirma page on Facebook. Make sure to join them. It'll be a great event for all. This week is a quiet week for Shandun. We will have members competing in social tag rugby on the 15th of August. This is organised by Munster VP Elaine Houlihan. We're looking forward to competing. August the 18th sees Cork County Macra hold their AGM virtually online. Well done to all outgoing officers. And thanks to Ashling for that update on Macra events this week. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, ICSA, National Chair, Mr Sean McNamara, has described as, quote, staggering the figure said to have been communicated to the ICSA by Bordbia, revealing the true volume of sheep meat imported into Ireland on a regular basis. The ICSA say that Bordbia told them that 3,500 tonnes of sheep meat in carcass form had been imported into Ireland so far this year, 2021. That, Mr McNamara said, was the equivalent of 175,020kg lamb carcasses. And, he said, to add insult to injury, that represents, quote, a bad year as far as sheep meat imports are concerned. In 2020, the figure was 4,500 tonnes in the first six months of 2020, or close to 230,000 lamb carcasses weighing 20kg. Mr McNamara said the ICSA also knew that in any given year about half a million live lambs were imported into the Republic of Ireland for slaughter. So the ICSA National Sheep Chair calculated if you add the live figures to the carcass figures you could be talking about close to one million between the two on what processors would consider a good year. And he said... That's going to be a very bitter pill for local sheep producers to swallow. Mr McNamara said when questioned by the ICSA on the detail around which markets these live lambs and lamb carcass imports were servicing, he said he hadn't been happy with assurances given about traceability by Borbia. He said Borbia had told the ICSA this was a labelling issue and said the related traceability issues were the responsibility of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, and the ICSA is seeking a guarantee that all of this imported lamb is not being sold as Irish origin lamb. Mr McNamara also called for more transparency around the issue of the fifth quarter for sheep. He said we asked the question and await the response. He claimed there was no doubt, however, it provided additional income for the processors at the expense of our farmers. This, he contended, was on top of bringing in what he called vast quantities of live lambs, as well as lambs in carcass form, 
purely to keep a lid on prices here. And Mr McMahon confirmed that the ICSA had met with the board BIA livestock sector manager, Mr Joe Burke, and the sector manager, sheep meat and livestock exports, Mr Seamus McMiniman, recently. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. And thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahady. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Calf Milk Replacer, offering a wide range of calf milk replacers to suit your calf's needs. On C103. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.